John Schuler. Hello, Brown Gore. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. I'm doing really good. Yeah. Good. Glad to hear it. Been busy, busy this morning. Um, got back into starting my morning with a little cardio, get the blood going. So yeah, things are, things are kicking ass right now. Awesome. Well, last week we did a podcast with Serjo Rojas, or Sergo Rojas, as it turns mm-hmm. out, and the audio was pretty bad. Um, Sergo had a microphone that just wasn't working well with, well, he had uh, to hold it with his hand <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. Holding and hand. he didn't have headphones. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah. echoing. Like every time we would talk, you could hear it on his side through his speakers, right. you know? And, uh, so anyways, I listened to it a couple times after I, I posted it and then I listened to it and my wife listened to it and she'd call me up. She's like, yeah, the audio is really hard to listen to. I'm like, I know, I know. And so I took it down. A few people have reached out and said they started listening to it and they thought it was really good and we should just post it with a, a caveat that the audio is bad. I'm like, no, quality is paramount. So yeah. we'll, we'll... It's easy to re- yeah, redo it. Yeah. I mean, we'll lose some magic. There was this beautiful moment where you and I were arguing about how to pronounce his name. Is it Sergo right. or Serho? And is his last name Rojas or Rojas? And um, he cleared it all up for us. And so, you know, we'll never get that moment back. But... Well, no. Actually, I don't said, mind reliving that moment over and over since I was right. Um, so but I'm cool as it. it turned out, John, you already knew. You didn't tell me, but he outed you that two weeks ago he told you. <laughs> and so you already knew. So you went into it already knowing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not well, fair. Well, that's what's fun. You already know the answer. Why not just, now let's compete. Yeah, but you're like Biff and Back to the Future. <laughs> it's like you got the Omnac and you're betting on all the games and you already know the outcome, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Mm-hmm. that's the way it should be man I mean I, I called him and I finally like dude I'm tired of like like you can tell me if I'm mispronouncing your name because I'll just keep doing it and he's like no you're, you're you're right I'm like really so I was actually like really he's like yep everybody else is wrong I'm like knew it and that's how John Schuler lives his life everybody a blind squirrel finding a nut wrong. you walk around long <laughs> enough and sooner or later you'll be right you walk around <laughs> mispronouncing things long enough and sooner or later you'll pronounce it correctly is what we've learned like, really <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh, oh man oh man so you know this is the concrete podcast we want to get on the concrete let's do it I had a All couple right. things well, I wanted to. I was going to say, you, you called me up and you wanted to go down this list. And I said, save it for the podcast, John. So yeah. let's do just it. Just save it. Yeah. Well, the first thing I just wanted to clear up the, I don't remember what, two weeks ago or a week ago, we did the podcast and I was discussing, you know, we, we often talk about innovation and changing in raw materials. And I happened to talk about a co-solvent that's used in urethane formulations called N-methylpyrrolidone, or NMP is the acronym. And I think it got misunderstood by, by some people that somehow, well, any of that, using the word co-solvent. And, and first thing I'm just going to say, I apologize to anybody who misunderstood anything I was talking about. This happens to be materials that I work with a lot. So, you know, I, I totally understand how I, I do, but I just wanted to clear up that this is actually a raw material that's been used extensively 
in the manufacturing process of urethane technologies. And when I say urethane technologies, I mean any and all polymers that are used in urethane, whether they're, you know, and let me clear something else up because and now I'm bouncing around. You know how my head gets going now. This is not about the EPA and concrete countertops. It is not about solvent versus water base urethanes. And this has nothing to do with my, you know, personal feelings about urethane tech, urethane sealers put on concrete countertops. What I was trying to talk about is there is a raw material that's used extensively, and that raw material has recently, very recently, in fact, just as of December, uh, been retested to show that it's, it's extremely toxic to the individual and to the environment in general. It, it, to even the use of our protective respiratory equipment is is not enough to protect you from the toxicities. So th- it was more about me just trying to say, hey, be aware of this. Urethane technologies are going to be changing over the course of time as this mat- particular raw material that's used in most all urethanes is going to start being under severe restrictions and guidelines and et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully that clears it up. And um, no, nobody's most of the materials that we use right now, even on concrete countertops, you know, they're, they're actually designed for other things. So, you know, they're, they're go on pipes and plastic and the whole nine year. We just happen to be using them on, on concrete countertops. So hopefully that um, clears up a little bit. If there's some confusions about NMP and one of the questions was actually, I got several like, well, what can we do about it? Well, really we can't. You know, unless you are the manufacturer putting the the quote unquote sealer together, there's really nothing you can do. But what you can do, since we are the end user and we're the ones with the potential of getting sick or end of cancers or skin lesions or sensitivities or whatever, is just call your manufacturer or your distributor and start understanding what you're using and even with them as these raw materials change it gives us a heads up of what to look for and what to be ready for so you don't end up like all of us you built your business around this and now all of a sudden everything's peeling off or all of a sudden you're not getting oil resistances anymore or whatever the case may be it'll help us all get a get a heads up before it impacts our businesses so that was it on that one Okay. You know, I heard a potential side effect is um, enlarged penis from NMP. Well, I don't like to brag. Potential but side effects. Of- <laughs> <laughs> In case of sustained erection, call your doctor. Right. Sustain longer than four hours. Dude, yeah. more than 40 minutes, I'd be dead, I think. Four yeah. hours. Jeez. Yeah. By four uh, hours, I'd be breaking glass. <laughs> I'd be very uncomfortable. Oh, man. <laughs> True story. I, I did hear that. Um, all right. What's your next thing, John? Uh, the next thing. So the Heroes Quest, uh, we were doing an SCC pour. Lots of people took videos of that pour. And lots of the videos were shared. 
What does SCC stand for, John? Self-consolidating concrete. Self-consolidating concrete. What does that mean exactly? Self-consolidating concrete. What does that mean? Well, when you pour it out, it should spread out pretty evenly and consolidate itself rather than forced to have vibration or forced to push it around with your hands or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, so in, in the larger world of concrete, SCC would be used where they can't necessarily vibrate the concrete to get right. it around rebar, whatever's in a wall system. So they're going to use an SCC mix that'll consolidate itself. Yeah. Yeah. They okay. also call it self-compacting. Yeah. That's another version of it. Yeah. But yeah, it gets, you know, should get into the nooks and crannies and, and do these kind of things. So the video is shown quite fluid. I think, I don't know how many other people are that kind of fluidity, but I got a lot of questions on fibers. How much fibers are you using? You know, how much plasticizer water, you know, blah, 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 blah. and one specific question was once I told people what we actually had is a, Blend it, blend of half inch Owens Corning, half inch AR bundle glass, and I think we put near a half percent of the PVA 400s. A specific question I had was from someone who also uses high strength concretes: Is that combination stronger than one percent PVA? But he also didn't dist distinguish what PVA. Um, but here I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, Brandon, you stop me. I could go on about fiber technology. Stop. Right? Stop you. We could you. talk about water cement issues and plasticizer and <sighs> which one's stronger and what's your PSI and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I truly believe, although I'll answer the question uh, privately, I don't need to do it here on the podcast, I think still too many people, you're getting caught up in the wrong things. It's wrong conversation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, but as far as is it stronger, here's what we're doing. We have test data on Kodiak Pro products. John has it. Anybody that needs it, contact John. He'll send you the data. So John is in the process right, right now of making all the different samples to send out to a, a third-party laboratory that's going to do um, compressive and flexural tests. And we're going to test a lot of different scenarios, different fibers, different fiber combinations, different water cement ratios, blah, blah, blah. And we'll have all the data. And you can do that data what you want. Yeah. But the data will be there. And then you can, then you can see empirical data from a third-party lab, not from somebody that made the homemade device with a pump jack from Harbor Freight and a pressure gauge. And, you know, this is actual... Well, it'll still be valid for yourself, I guess, if you want to... I'm, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that if you're using a homemade device, it's not really verifiable or even... You know, if you say that you hit 16,000 PSI, I bet if it goes to a lab, it's three. Yeah, who knows? But anyways, my, my point is, Johnson all that stuff out. But you're right. The bigger, the bigger conversation isn't is using this percentage of PVA with the glass going to make a stronger concrete. That's completely the wrong conversation. The conversation that we should all be having, and I've been preaching this for a long time, is put your time and energy into designing products. Put it into becoming a better mold builder. Put it into getting better photography of your work. Put it into developing a better brand. Put it into better marketing. That's where your time and energy should be going. If you're spending your time and energy focused on, well, if I, uh, if I get these PVAs and I add a quarter percent of that, I could probably gain like 3% strength. You probably could. Is it going to change yeah. anything? No, absolutely mm -hmm. not. 
that sink or countertop or table or whatever it is, it's not going to have one bit of impact on that. Right. So, you know, way back in the day, this is back in the Buddy Rhodes days when John Schuler was with Buddy Rhodes. And back then, the product that he had developed was, in my opinion, the best product at that point in time. And I used to say to my classes, listen, guys, in John, we trust. Put it on your money. In John, we trust, okay? John has got it dialed. We don't need to worry about that. Don't even worry about the concrete anymore. John's got the concrete dialed. Focus on design. Concrete design school. Not concrete fiber school. Concrete design school. Design is where it's at. That's what we should be doing as an industry. And so I used to preach that a long time ago. And, you know, technology has improved and, and materials have improved. And now Kodiak Pro, Maker Mix and Rad Mix are far superior to the mixes that you developed 15 years ago. But I still believe if the concrete, if, if you have access to the best concrete possible, don't worry about the concrete. Worry about building better molds. Worry about building better products. Worry about getting better photography. Worry about those things. Those will pay dividends for your business. And you'll have a chance at staying in business. Right. But if you focus all your time on, on different fiber percentages and doing this and doing that and gain a little bit of strength here and a little bit of strength there and da da da, da I've seen it, man, 20 years I've been doing this. I've seen the, the hamster wheel of this. Those people never well, yeah, last. just getting caught they up in last. the wrong stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Caught up in the wrong stuff. But it's easy to, and, and I'll just, it's easy to because the number one from anybody, you know, trying to bring out a product and this is something, at least I feel like I've held back tremendously, is they all, you know, they, they want to introduce their product in the best light possible. And often when it comes to concrete, that's what we want to talk about, PSI or, you know, whatever strengths or flexural strengths and blah, 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 blah. And so it's easy. I'm just saying, I think it's easy to get caught up in that because that's where the language is. Now, we've held off with that. I mean, I have all the information. And as you know, I'll continue to say I just don't care because even the high PSI was never something I was um, chasing. It was density. But at the end of the day, and I really like we'll bring him up, bring Sean Albright on is having a conversation with him one day. And he is using Maker Mix and he has used other materials. He even brought in other materials during the time with Maker Mix is we had this great conversation. He called me up and he's like, John, you know what? He comes from the IT end and he would tell me like, so let's say design was everything, even in IT, meaning again, you know, how you built the program, how the program integrates and da, da, da. And what should be easy and simple is once you've designed it right, meaning now let's say the program, once you've designed it properly, implementation should be easy. And I'm like, oh, you know what? You're right. Where with so many of us over the years, so designing your mold or you may maybe start with the look and then the molding and how clean your molds are, hat molds, two parts, fall apart, rubber, whatever. Concentrate on that. But instead, so many times we've been fighting the implementation again with air consolidation. Geez, do I change my fiber? So I think that's just been a forefront of thought for so long and probably still will be with materials coming out that we, you know, we've lost focus 
about what really matters. And the implementation should be easy. Yeah, I, I agree and I disagree. Okay. There was a time. There was a time when the concrete we made was like lava. And you could fit your whole hand in it and the air pockets on the side, right? There was a time. And there's still parts of the world. Let's say you're in Guatemala, you know, or you're in Somalia or someplace like that. I get that getting these products are going to be difficult. And in those situations, yeah. that's going to be a bigger concern. You have to spend a lot more of your time and energy sourcing and testing and refining and doing all the things you need to do. But if you're in the United States of America, I like saying it like that. I don't know why. But if you're in the United States of America or you're in the United Kingdom <laughs> or, or Australia. You're in a little island called Australia, if you're in any of these places, you have access to these things and they should literally, the material should, should be the last thing on your mind. There's so many more things that you can now focus on because that is off your plate. The best products are available to you. Let's say you don't like Kodiak Pro, you don't like Maker Mix. The other products these other people are making is still is good enough that you don't have to sit there and spend all your time trying to make it work, right? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, yeah. Exactly. I mean, you may spend a little more time post-processing or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I guess, I'm like I said all before, you know, it'll still get hard. Well, I'm thinking back like 15 years ago, the, the products that you developed, they were the best of the time. Now, would I use them today? No, because there's better. But that being said, 15 yeah. years ago... I could spend my time working on design. Yeah. Right? Today, I spend my time focused on design. I don't have to worry about the materials. So that's the thing that people should be worrying. But what I think happens, John, is mm -hmm. design is intimidating. Design is scary. I don't know where to start. I don't, I'm not a designer. Where do I start? What do I do? I don't know what to do. And so your mind will lock yeah, on things. Yeah, but designing could just be making Hold on, good John. Models. I know. But Sorry. Your mind will lock onto arguments that you can, you can feel comfortable having. And for a lot of people, the argument or the thing that their mind wants to lock onto to focus on is going to be things like fiber load or fiber yeah. type or fiber blends. Because yeah. that's the conversation in Did their mind blunt? that they're yeah. having. Yeah. And so in, in that way, I think that's just the human mind going towards the things it feels comfortable working on and ignoring the things that it doesn't. In this yeah, industry, maybe. there was there was a, a great book called Rework. Rework. These guys that have a, a tech company, speaking of IT, a tech company called 37 Signals wrote this book called Rework. I really like it. Anybody listening to this should, should read it. But one of the things it talks about is when you start a hot dog stand, you want to start thinking about what color of umbrella should I get? What should I name it? What should my sign look like? Worry about the hot dogs, right? Worry about the hot dogs. Yeah. Okay. So we could say that with concrete, worry about the concrete, but the concrete's taken care of, in my opinion. So that's something we don't, need to, we don't need to worry about. So the next thing you need to worry about is products, because at the end of the day, we're product companies. Every person in this industry is a product manufacturer. That's what mm -hmm. you should be focused on is products. Don't worry about your logo. Don't worry about the, you know, whatever. Focus on the products. And when I say that, I mean focus on design. Create the best designed product you can make. And that's, you know, we go into this in the classes that we teach, but I'll give you a little snippet for anybody listening. It's repetition. It's failure. You're never going to get it on the first try, but you have to go down that road. And it's like that for everybody. I know people that went, they got their master's degree in industrial design from, from Art Center or these different places, RISD, things like that. And they get out, they're, they're in no better position than you are 
when it comes to design. They still have to go through the whole process of, yeah. well, I have an idea, they do it, ah, it sucks. Why does it suck? Well, it sucks because of this. And then you try to do it better next time, and then it sucks, but it's a little bit better than the last one. And you do it better, and you do it better, and you do it better. That's the process for everything, and there's no shortcuts. And if you think there's an easy way, there's not. But it's so important that you focus on that if you want to do this for a living long term. You can start a company, you can be in business for a year or so till your savings run out, and then you're going to go back into some other field. But if you want to do this long term, you're in the business, whether you realize it or not, of being a product designer slash manufacturer. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I, I mean, I, as I know, I, I enjoy talking materials, raw materials, fiber loadings, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, no, that, that should not be anybody trying to be in business and maintaining profit. You know, just don't get lost in that. Yeah. Well, you're the outlier, John, because you're the chemist that develops the products. Mm. So you're the outlier where that makes sense for you to spend your time and energy on that. But the rest of us, including me for all these years, was not a materials company. I'm a product manufacturer. I make sinks. I make chairs. I make tables. That's what I do. And because of that, I need to be focused on design. And you have, from the very beginning, because you started the ICT, you've been mm -hmm. working on the material side from, from the very beginning of this whole yep. This whole thing, the, you know, this whole industry. So, anyways, you're you're one of the very rare people where you spend your time on that makes sense. But for most people doing this, your time is better spent getting better at building molds, getting better at right. doing this, getting better at sales and marketing. You know, people have tried to uh, throw me under the bus over the years by saying, "Oh, Brandon's just good at marketing." Well, thank you, I appreciate that. That's actually a great compliment because it takes work to be good at marketing. You know. You have to try to be good at marketing. You're not just good at marketing. You're going to, you're going to do a lot of things that don't work well. Yeah. Same with design. But you, you get better at it, and you get better at it, and you work at it. Is that True. motivational enough for you? Yeah, I guess. Adam. I don't know. However, it is. So, I don't know. Back to the original question is 1% PVA, and I'm guessing he was talking about 400s. I don't know why he would be using a small PVA fiber as a primary reinforcement. You know, ver compared to the 2% AR glass with the half percent. See, this is this, that kind of conversation for me would be, first of all, define what you mean by strength. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then from there, fiber combinations make a huge difference. So that, that would be a very long answer with more questions where really at the end of the day, unless that's something all of us are really interested in, that's not, I mean, that's not running a business. And at the end of the day, I would say the flow chart should be, what do you want to make? Yeah. What do you want to what make? What do you want to make? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's going to tell you what fiber to use. So yep. what do you want to make? So I, I do all SCC, GFRC. SCC, self-consolidating concrete. GFRC, meaning I'm using glass fiber to reinforce it. I'm doing that with Maker Mix. Yep. SCC, GFRC, using Maker Mix. I don't, I don't care about PVAs. I don't use PVAs. I got tons of PVAs up on the shelf. They're there for you and Dusty when you guys come to do classes. I don't use yep. them. But Dusty, he's doing carved edges. So he needs PVAs. John Schuler is troweling upright. He needs PVAs. So oh, up, yeah, a lot of what, PVAs. what are you doing? That will determine what fiber to use. It's as simple as that. You don't need to overcomplicate it. Right. Yeah, and same with the loadings. I mean, you know... There's always going to be uh, plenty of strength. I mean, again, depending on what mix you're using. I mean, you know, these materials are designed, you know, well above. 
I should never say what's necessary because I'm still the full believer that like, this is something I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago when we were talking about, and he also designs um, higher end mixes. And I just, you know, we were talking about it and I, I still stand behind this and I'll stand behind it all day long is the materials that are designed the way we're designing them. It's never about their compression strength, but indirectly what I want to see is what is the performance of this material three years later, you know, a year later, two years, three years later, when the materials are so resistant to almost anything that they are no longer 100% dependent on sealer. To me, that's something that ends up long-term performance. And I, I understand why other people may not be looking for that, but that's where the high density and the high strengths come in, come into play. And, and again, I still say at the end of the day, those materials should be easy if they're designed properly for what, again, for what we're trying to use, implementation should be easy. Focus on the design. And again, let the materials fit your design. Yeah. Or don't. Or don't. The attrition yeah. rate is 90%. So that means 90% of people are doing something that wasn't sustainable. Well, kind of. See, I mean, I, I, as we're having this conversation, I look back at those bedside tables that uh, that he was making. I almost said his name, huh? <laughs> I his name. Um, and you take those two, and he was really trying to... So he had designed... The idea, the formwork, he took time to make these things and it came time to implement and he kept fussing over the implementation. And, and that's where we've always been, man. That's where he thinks he designed it as best he could. Well, he did. And now he modified the design to try to get his ability Dude, to implement. The chair better. I make, the Muskoka chair. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great example. That's a chair where the design is, is the design. And I was mm -hmm. using the old products uh, that I used to use, and the backside of every chair looked like the surface of the moon. It was a million craters. And I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. And I invested in a pump. And by the way, I, I do, I, I've said this as kind of a joke, but not a joke. I do have an Eimer Mini 50 pump. I've used it a few times. Thing is brand new, like perfectly new. I'm going to sell it because for me, I don't need it anymore. Now, maybe somebody that says on a website, you use it to spray, you can use it to do this. Great. If you guys, anybody interested, look up Imer Mini 50. We can talk about it. But my point is, I bought a pump so I could pump the mix into the form because running down yeah. the form was trapping a lot of air. So I'm going to pump it in. Yeah. And I would tilt the form. I built these apparatus to hold the form at a certain angle while I'm pumping it. And I'd rotate it as I was filling it up. And I'd vibrate it just right. And I'd beat on it with hammers. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. And it would be... Yeah, a little better, a little better. And yeah. then you and I, especially Well, no, you. we invested in all, how many oh, people got the vacuum chambers? Remember oh, those? Yeah. yeah. But you and I, saying mainly you, made Maker Mix what it is. And now yeah. I can pour it without any of that stuff I used to do. None of that equipment, none of that. And end up with a, with a part that's a thousand times better. Yeah. And it's directly due to the mix. So that's something else we, I wanted to talk about really quick about the whole fiber thing. And I have another thing about fibers we'll talk about here in a minute. But, you know, people are asking about SEC and fibers. 
And with a really bad mix, the fibers make a big difference. Meaning sure. that if you're using a crappy mix, you know, if you're using a 200 filament bundle fiber versus 100 filament bundle fiber, it'll make a pretty big impact on the flowability of the mix for an SEC. Mm-hmm. I used to experience that. But with Maker Mix, the, the flowability, it's not a result of the fiber. It's a result of the particle shape and the gradations of the particles that allow it to flow very right. smoothly. So that's a mix, that's a mix design thing is we've developed a mix that is inherently a very flowable mix. Correct. Or can be very flowable. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, but but it's not the fibers aren't gonna that's not what's gonna determine does it flow. My old mixes it was much more determined on the fiber type. Like I said, hundred filament didn't flow at all is like like gravy, like you're trying to pour like gravy, you know, (laughs) or 200 filament because there's same by weight, but half the number of fibers because they're just a thicker fiber would flow better. So anyways, point is that that was another question I saw somebody ask and um, that was interesting, but a question, uh, Brent Taylor asked this question on the concrete countertop, concrete furniture and concrete artwork, Mm -hmm. Facebook group. He was asking about ghosting. And um, he, he cast a piece with rebar. You can see the rebar. And he wants to know, will it go away? And the answer is no, it won't no. go away. Ghosting is forever. Just like a diamond is forever, ghosting is forever. So if you can't afford a diamond for your engagement gift, give your wife the gift of a ghosted countertop because it'll last forever. Ghosting happens when you insert something into the concrete. And I've, I've been guilty of this. I, um, I did countertops for my last house in Eureka Springs and I got them done and I had intended to suspend some pencil rod for this overhang, but I forgot to suspend it before I cast. And I cast and I'm like, I looked over and I saw him sitting on the, on the uh, workbench. I'm like, ah, damn it. Right. Yeah. So I just grabbed it and I wiggled it into the back and I hope for the best. When I flipped him over. Boom, 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 boom. You could see him. Right. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's what happens. I knew it was going to happen, but I also knew that if I didn't put it in there over time, it was going to slowly creep down with that overhang. So I wanted to put it in there. But the point is, that happens when you insert any type of anything into the back of concrete. If you wiggle it in, you're going to get that. I recommended to use a glass fiber reinforced mix, and he did. He said he's done that, not with this one, but with the other ones. And he was getting ghosting with different thicknesses. So like around an edge Mm. where it's four inches thick versus in the middle or maybe where it's one inch thick, it was getting some ghosting. Again, I've seen that happen. But typically, if you cure it properly, which I've responded to him on that forum, but if you cure it properly, where you're consuming a lot of that moisture and turn it into crystalline growth in the concrete, in the curing stage, if you cure it properly, you demold it, then you post-process it properly, doing a light acid etch, which I again detailed, it's all on our website, do a light acid etch, and then we seal it, and I use ICT, it's minimal. I mean, I can still kind of see the thickness differences because, you know, one's one inch thick and one's four inches thick, so it's going to cure slightly differently. But all things said, if, you, if you're doing everything correctly, it's very, very minimal. He posted a photo, and it was extremely dramatic. And I think what it was is he didn't cure it the way you recommend, so it didn't, it didn't exotherm and hold that spike for a long time. And then he used a solvent-based sealer, topical, which yeah, is going to... this is going to enhance. Oh, my yeah. God. It's going to greatly enhance it. It's going to... It's like turns up the contrast by 100%. <laughs> You know, so any little slight tonal difference is just going to be exasperated greatly if you're using a solvent-based sealer. Well, and there's that, and, you know, only because we did talk about mix design, and it depends on what mix you're using. You know, the I'm going to say 
I hate to say lower compression, but most mixes, I think most of us all, especially when you're using a basic 50-50 kind of scenario, you're going to be somewhere around 8,000 to, you know, maybe 11 or 12. And those kind of mixes, and then bring a polymer on board, which, oh, here we go, John, anti-polymer. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when you bring these things on board and you put air in, it's these kind of mixes that are going to have the ability to show those things more. Yeah. Once you get up past, let's say 14, 15, 16,000 PSI and the density changes, there's far less potential for those kind of changes to happen, even with different thicknesses. Yeah. So on that same thread, there was a question from a guy named Jason Jones who asked, do the fibers need to be buried or does it not really show if they're on the surface? Talking about an SEC GFRC. And I told him I'd answer that question on the, uh, on the podcast. What he means is, do you need to spray a face coat first or can you just direct cast SEC that has the AR glass fiber in it? I've heard this question a million times. I used to think the same thing. I used to think the fibers are going to show. The fibers will not show two things. If you're using the correct, oh, three things, actually. If you're using the correct mix design, that's important. If you're using the correct fibers, so there are glass fibers that do have a tendency to show. Yes. That being, uh, we use Owens Corning, but the uh, NEG fibers want to show. And uh, there's some other ones as well that want to show, but the Owens Corning fibers we're using don't want to show. But then lastly is vibration. Vibration, if you overly vibrate the mix, meaning you use like a high amplitude vibrator, the old school concrete vibrators. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you ever had one of those, I mean, they're just it's crazy. Anyways, you use one of those, yeah, the fiber is going to show because it's going to drop out of suspension. They're going to all end up on the surface. And so what you want to do is if you're using an SCC GFRC mix is low amplitude vibration. And what I mean by that, it would be just rubber mallets. Tap, 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 mm-hmm. tap, tap. Mm-hmm. They do make some other low amplitude vibrators. I have some, they're pneumatic that essentially just replicate a hammer tapping. I mean, if you listen to them, you're just going to tap, 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 tap. That's all they're doing. Instead of being a high frequency, they're very low frequency. But that's kind of the secret to doing SCC GFRC. And the last thing is the mold material. We talked about this on a previous podcast, but if you cast into a rubber mold with SCC GFRC, glass fibers tend to show more. Yeah, they I bounce. Think, yeah, 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 I think it's just the deadening aspect of the rubber. When you shake the form or do anything like that, they don't lift up off the surface. They just stay against the surface. Where a, a hard form like melamine or fiberglass or plastic or steel, if you you know hit hit the table with a hammer with a rubber mallet, it'll just bounce that fiber up off the surface. There's a resonance to it and it boom pops up off and now it's no, no longer on the surface where you don't get that the rubber. So anyways, but I only cast SCC GFRC. That's all I do. That's all I do. And that's all I've really done now for probably 10, 12 years at least. And I can count on one hand how many pieces have had a fiber show and mm-hmm. it's always been because I over-vibrated or I over-plasticized the mix or I was using the wrong fiber. I agree. I concur. Well, and then I, was, I still say it's, it's always interesting to me when we talk about fibers as this little niche industry, whenever the AR or glass fiber is brought up, all of us immediately understand that we're all talking about bundled glass fiber, not the monofilament, not the high dispersion, not the anti-cracks, et cetera, et cetera. But when the acronym PVA comes on board, nobody ever distinguishes <laughs> which versions of 
PVA are being used because that alone makes a diff- a big difference in primary versus secondary reinforcement and and again why you're using it so i just had to throw that out there again i i just find it kind of funny i was thinking in my mind we're talking about the attrition rate 90% mm-hmm. and some people say oh you guys are just fear mongering i remember somebody made a comment about that a while back when we discussed yeah, this no. it's not fear mongering it's just reality i mean that's the reality is there's a tremendous amount of turnover in this industry. I was thinking about a 10-lane interstate. You know, as in L.A., they have sections of the interstate that are, that are 20 lanes wide, 10 lanes on each side, right? Mm. So imagine 10 lanes of traffic going in a direction, and one lane is exiting off, and the rest, the 90% is still going straight. That's what this industry is right now. There's 10% that, is, that are staying in this field for more than a year, and the vast majority are just going straight ahead. And why is that? Where is the mistake being made that is leading people down the road of going out of business? What are your thoughts, John? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things. Again, I, while you were talking about that, I was thinking about where I live. And yeah, I mean, after all these years, I'm the only one that's even still offering this. You know, everybody else has faded out completely. Or again, or they may just be a a contractor doing their own project, which at, at that point they're just kind of using a, you know, a sacrete or something they can pick up at Home Depot, which again is night and day um, to what I'm doing. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm back to, you got to buy, you got to make things that people want. Yeah. And that once again, doesn't typically get caught up in which fibers or what your compression strength was or et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's that you were not making things that people were willing to a, not just purchase from you, but purchase purchase from you at an amount that kept you in business. Well, I think you're, I think, I think that's right, John. I think that's right. I think what it is, is uh, the vast majority of people are getting their advice and their information from salesmen at companies that are selling products. And oh, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. They're getting they're they're getting the talking points, they're getting the overview of what to focus on from salesmen. People that, if they're honest, don't do this for a living. They don't do this for customers. And what makes us different with Kodiak Pro and with the Concrete Podcast and Concrete Design School is we actually do this and we've done this for a long time. So these discussions we have, sometimes people Maybe they don't, you know, it makes them uncomfortable or whatever. And we're talking about the importance of profitability, how to price your work, focus on design, respecting each other's IP, those types of things. But those are the the real conversations. Those are the important conversations, in my opinion. You know, the the conversations of, well, I could could blend in a loading of a half percent of a PVA. Okay, bro, do it. See, Do I it. call that a nuance. I mean, it's well, not a nuance. Day, it's just you're you're wasting your time on the wrong things. Well, it depends on what you're trying to implement, though. I mean, what your design was. I mean, ultimately, if you design something that needs or doesn't need a certain flow, or you know, anyway, then those kind of conversations come in. But that's but a workability question. We already have that on our website. Saying, yeah, again, it's it's a you know, but yeah, designing it is the first thing. Yeah, it. 
yeah, a product. Form, you know, yeah. you know how you're formed. You know, uh, how do you get? You know, what do you have to do to get the material into the form? You know, all of these should take place first, and then at that point, and this is again why so much of this material has been designed the way it's designed is, and then at that point, I need a material. I don't want to stock fifty things. I want a material that's you know easily adaptable to make implementation as easy as possible. I agree 100%. I agree to not agree at 100%. I'm going to do 200. Okay. I'll agree with that at 200%. Okay. What, whatever makes you happy, John. <laughs> whatever Name makes you happy. that tune in three notes. Yeah. What was that? Essentially a meme or whatever. I don't know what it's called. Oh, is um, Keanu Reeves. Who knows if he's even said this, but essentially said he's at a point in his life where somebody says one plus one equals five. He just says, yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> and he like walks away. He doesn't have time <laughs> to argue with anybody anymore. He's just like, yeah, whatever, whatever you say, that's fine. I kind of feel like that these days where it's just like, yeah, okay. Whatever makes you happy. Uh, but that's hey, good. speaking of being happy, you know what would make everybody happy is if they come to the concrete hoedown in the holler. And that's going to be October 27th and 28th, Correct. Is that the right date? Yep. 27th, 28th. In McEwen, Tennessee. And you can enroll for the hoedown or register for the hoedown at KodiakPro.com. Go up to the store, uh, training events. 300 bucks. That's that's the cost. Super low. $300. As of this morning, we're up to 15 people. Um, it's only been live for 10 days. So we've had 15 people sign up in 10 days. We're six weeks out. It's going to be a pretty big event. So if you're wanting to come, register. I, in all seriousness, I am going to talk to Dusty to see if he wants to cap it at a certain number because let's say that 100 people signed up. Well, Dusty may not want 100 people on his property. Um, it's a beautiful property. It's a big property, but that's a lot of people, right? So I'm going to talk to Dusty and see if we're going to cap it. But right now we're at 15. If you don't know what the Concrete Hoedown is, it's a gathering. It is like-minded people getting together for two days of barbecue, beer, casting concrete, talking about concrete, sitting around a campfire, just concrete camaraderie. And it's yep. a great time, and I hope you can make it. The second thing is, I have a workshop coming up here in Wichita, and you can register for that on Concrete Design School. So two-day GFRC and fabric forming, December 4th and 5th. And so I've received a few questions from people asking about it. Uh, it's the workshop I've been doing now for, I don't know how many years, 15 years, 16 years, on fabric forming and GFRC. It's just been a few years since the last time I've done one. So it's the first time in a long time. So if you want to learn more about that, go to concretedesignschool.com, December 4th and 5th, and you can register for that on that website. Do you have anything, John? No, man. I got. I, I talked about what I want to talk about. Hopefully it clears it up for people. I mean, I know I didn't truly answer fiber questions, but I think that's more of a private thing than go off on the whole fiber technologies again. Yeah. Well, we, we have a whole podcast. You can search the history where we go into the f different fiber types and the benefits of each fiber and the downsides of each mm -hmm. fiber. And you can, you can, you know, go down the fiber rabbit hole all you want. But at yep. the end of the day, the end of the day, our honest advice from people actually create products for customers, not as a materials company, not as a, not as a, you know, a material supplier, as manufacturers of products for concrete customers, for, for architects and designers and builders is design is what matters. What you make with concrete is what matters. So yep. use the best concrete you can get, use the best sealer you can get. You wanna be making the best products you can possibly make, but 
If you're not making things that people want to buy, it doesn't matter if you're using the best concrete or the worst concrete, nobody's going to buy it. Correct. So at the end of the day, that's where your focus should be, is in John we trust, concrete is figured out, sealer is figured out, get on with the business of making something. Well, don't trust too much, man. Then I got to figure out how to trust myself. No, you I trust me. know what I'm listen, doing. Listen, you trust me. <laughs> Everybody else trusts you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good, buddy. Sounds All right, good. Man. All right. Well, hopefully Sergo bought that microphone and it's on order and he'll have it. And so next week, hopefully, hopefully we'll have yeah, Sergo There were some good conversations there. Yeah. 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 I, I really like some of the stuff he was talking about. Same. All right, my friend. Till next week. Till next week. Adios. Adios. Adios.